Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. You know, we hit it off so hard and so well that I had to tell her straight up. I was like, I am in no position to be in a, a relationship right now. Like the worst thing a woman does not want to hear from somebody right. she's falling in love exactly. with. Exactly. <laughs> another episode of Divorce Party. I'm Monica Casey here with my co-host Tom Arnold. Our guest today is a father, an author, and the lead singer of Slipknot. He has his second solo album out right now, CMF2. Please welcome to the show, Corey Taylor. Hi, Corey. So what's up? Let's let's discuss. Corey, Corey Taylor. Thank you, buddy. You know, uh, Thank you for being on the show. You know, you were, you have the Iowa connection, like myself. Absolutely. I followed your amazing career. And, uh, you know, your band, uh, Slipknot, it is, if you're not from Iowa, and you, you see and you had uh, an album, we used to call it, named Iowa. Fantastic, amazing music. Just killer, killer music. The whole, and the whole look of everything. You go, that doesn't seem like a very Iowa thing that that uh that band but right. but if you know Iowa you go okay I know where that comes from exactly I know where, you know <laughs> that comes from. you and your buddies you know you're there and and uh you know you create the, I mean you guys just blew it out of the water though a lot of us we uh you know if I could be in music I would be in music you know and I think people that are actors really look up to great uh musicians and great music and great athletes or something we can't do. And it's so sure. great to be of something, you know, uh, uh, that's better, that's greater than something you could do, you know. And I just uh, uh, have followed you from day one. I've just got a lot of, I got a lot, I got a lot of joy out of telling people, you know, fucking slip stops from my own too, man. I just right, like, right. I love the Iowa contingency because I went to Arizona State and there's a lot of Iowa people that flock to Arizona. So that's oh, what oh, I well, heard you about go. your band. Yeah. Oh, run on. <laughs> kids have heard, most importantly, my kids have heard about it. My kids are 10 and 7. Right. And, uh, what are you doing at the podcast, whatever? But I said, you know, we're doing a Corey from Slipknot. They're like, no, you aren't. I go, yeah, you know, I am. And even Monica. When I first said, I wrote her, I go, you know, there's a guy I really, I've got no little, but he's a really good guy. And uh, you, I'm sure you, he's from a, a band called Slipknot. He's a whatever. And she freaked out. Like I thought, well, she's not good. Holy shit. <laughs> it's, uh, but I've also got to spend time with Corey a little bit at the, some at of the these conventions. Yeah. Yeah. How do you like doing the Comic-Cons? 
it's interesting man um it's cool because you get really face to face with a uh uh, a bunch of people where you have likewise interests and whatnot. Cause I'm a geek from way back, you know, I would run around buying everything at these things and, and not even care, you know, uh, you get to talk rad stuff, you get to talk movies, music, horror, you know, art, all this stuff. And you find yourself connecting in a, in a way that you really don't get, you, you almost forgot to, at your shows, man. So it's, it's really, so I, I have a, a great time doing it and it, it's, it's a cool way to kind of consolidate your fan base, uh, especially with me trying to kind of get, you know, like movies off the ground or my charity work off the ground. It's a great way to kind of get boots on the ground and, and spread the message like that. You know, it's just fun. I have a, I have a blast doing those. What about you, Tom? What? You know, horror fans are the most loyal fans. I mean, you could be, you could do 17 seconds in a horror movie and right. people are like, yep, or, you know, you're on top or whatever. And, and I think of your band, you know, you guys uh, dressed up. You guys right. uh, were pretty anonymous individually to people, unless they knew the band that do, you know, you could tell that everybody was very good musically and your old drummer man that fucking dude was the yeah. maybe the best drummer jordy that i've ever seen i'm a drummer and i'm free you oh, know okay. but and you're gonna and you say to yourself why why uh, there's like nine guys how do they how do you know why not show every uh uh thing but can you explain the concept of of that originally why you decide to go that way um basically for, I mean, we kind of made our way to it organically, to be honest, you know, I mean, the masks kind of came out of this necessity of on, a, on two levels. One, it was a, a cool artistic way for us to kind of wrap ourselves in the music. And it also gave us the ability to kind of put up something that was a reaction to where music was in that moment. Like when we first kind of started putting that together, um, and obviously, I'm just speaking for myself, because when I joined Slipknot, they were already wearing the masks. So for me, this is what it meant to me on that level. When we first started kind of leaning into that, to the masks and the coveralls, you know, giving ourselves numbers, giving ourselves barcodes, it was a reaction to the fact that it seemed like everybody in music had to be pretty and yeah. had to wear you know, they had to, it was all about the fashion. It was all about the cheekbones and it was less about the actual music, even the quote unquote dark bands that we liked, you know, everybody was just starting to kind of get really polished and we fucking hated that. We were just like, this is garbage. We hate this. It's not crazy enough. It's not gnarly enough. It's not Iowa enough, you know? And one of the reasons that Slipknot kind of became what it became is because we kept waiting for a band to do what we wanted to hear. And because that vacuum never got filled, we filled it. And I mean, you want to talk about floodgates, you know? And I mean, I was, I was very fortunate enough to be a, a, a part of that. Um, I wasn't the main part of it, but I was a, a key part of it. And the fact that we were, almost given carte blanche musically to do everything like that and to keep that image because we had been offered record deals a couple of times and they told us to ditch the masks ditch the coveralls and we were like no then you don't understand us awesome and when you know once we really kind of took hold of our own destiny and stuck to it that's when it really took off so that to me is where the whole concept of the masks and the identity and the fact that we were a, a reaction to a saturation that was going on in music. That's where it really kind of came from. And, you know, it's, it's a uh, egoless because, you know, the ego says I need to show this. So people know I'm that guy that did this. And, uh, and, and so that's that too. Plus it probably is handy conducting your life with, uh, you know, you're, you're on the road, you do shows, you get right. 
you could go and just be – I mean, eventually you couldn't just go and be – Well, I yeah, I kind of screwed myself on that with the whole Stone Sour thing. But that's – I mean, you know, what are you going to do? It's fine. I mean, it's like – well, and not only that, but I kept getting identifiable tattoos. Uh, so people would see me on the streets and they'd be like yeah. you know it was very i was just like oh god i'm an idiot but i mean what are you gonna do no but it's good now listen i when you're out promoting your uh which by the way i, I appreciate you taking some time with us because you've been working your ass off with your new uh with your new music and right. just, but you've also had a lot of really good interviews which i i uh, told my guy I go this guy shares like he shares uh, honestly about his life. And uh, I said, it's pretty inspiring. And I said, there's something that I started reading about uh, that you admitted. Uh, I believe it was that you were in an eight year toxic relationship. And I said, you know, I, as I'm reading that, that was helpful to me. You know, mine is currently going still, but that is helpful to me. Uh, I'm not, we're not married, but uh, I, I want to understand that. And I think that, that but this show, people are going through whatever they're going through. Nobody wants to admit that they were right. in for eight years. That yeah. they, they want to know how they got out of it, but to identify it and go, oh, that's what that that was, and yeah. I was a part of that. Can you can you t- tell us a little bit about that? Uh, it was uh, you know, and I'll and I'll I'll try to to stay away from particulars obviously yeah, um because she and i share a child so i still yeah you know i still still have to deal with it you know um it was it was difficult man you know and it didn't start out that way obviously i don't think it ever does um but just the it i don't know i i'm, I'm really not sure why or when it really started to kind of get there. All I know is the last four years of the relationship were some of the worst years of my life, you know? I mean, to the point where I was just a ball of kind of emasculated depression, you know? Then to add to that, to exacerbate that that situation, my I I ended up uh, having to have spinal surgery. I discovered I had uh, a real issue physically, so I had to kind of go through that. It affected me physically. So not not only was I kind of losing it psychologically and emotionally, but then physically, I wasn't able to kind of stay healthy on a physical side. That was, and I think maybe that was one of the things that always kind of kept me from actually going over the deep end was the fact that even though things were really gnarly and dark at home, I had physical therapy, quote unquote, to be able to kind of deal with things, you know, and obviously I had my music so I could write and I, and I, I tried to use it to kind of work out my own things and and give myself like self therapy and whatnot. But when that was taken away from me, it really went off the deep end, you know, and I think it really kind of came down to the fact that this was a person who genuinely didn't like me. Like, j- just oh, yeah. genuinely did Tom not knows like what me. that's like. Yeah. yeah. That is- Tom is married people, but totally no. hate him. Yeah, I thought I'd turn it around. But, but uh, you know, most recently, I mean, that feeling of, it's also disappointing because you realize, well, I am into this thing. And oh yeah, this person. At first, you're like she. She's funny the way she criticizes me. It's it's right. a fighting sense of humor. She's you know, and uh, uh, and then you realize uh, you, she does hate me. Like she, this yeah. is no sense of humor. She hates me, and this is her thing back and forth. And right. I'm 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 a part of this terrible uh, uh, toxic situation, right. and. You know, did you end up having a spinal fusion, or what kind of spinal surgery did you have to have? Me? Oh, it was uh, I had a uh, I had to have um, my C five and C six uh, they were basically crushed, and yeah. the disc I had to have the disc replaced, and I had to um, they had to shave the bone. It, it had been growing into my spinal cord. So I have a bruise on my spinal cord that you can actually see 
in x-rays and uh it still to this day affects the right side of my body i have to i have to mentally make sure that i'm lifting my right leg uh it's one of the reasons why i have so many injuries on stage now uh yeah. Because I, it's, it's just, yeah, it's, it's crazy. And even with PT, it's, it's just, there's only so much that you can do. Um, it's, it's scary, man, you know? And I think I can't even remember the, the injury that caused it. I think it happened in 99, which tells you that I spent 15 years or 16 years on the road, making it worse Yeah, and didn't realize it because I was young. You know, when you're young, you don't feel pain. You just, ah, it'll be fine. You know, we'll just write this off. It'll be all good. I'll deal with this later. Meanwhile, you know, you've got vertebrae growing into your spinal cord and it's starting to cut off the strength to your right side. It was scary, you know? So, um, but that was a source of contention. You know, I sat with, I sat, I sat with a spinal specialist and he just, he, he walked me through the, the the injury and my my ex was right next to me and she heard everything that i heard and when i was explaining it to people verbatim she started pushing back on me saying you don't have a broken neck stop telling people that you have a broken neck i was like were you not in the room when i was getting this insane diagnosis. And then when finally, and this, this may have been the straw that broke her back because we went back for the follow-up right before my surgery. And I said, Oh, by the way, could you please describe to me what this injury is? Would you call it a broken (laughs) neck? And he said, 100%. And she just, and I got to tell you, that kind of crushed a lot of stuff like and it and it really it kind of set us on uh a, the the point of no return which we were kind of heading down anyway um, but also during your recovery i mean you do a major possibly life altering surgery like that the partner yeah. that you have when you go under is sort of the hope or the person you're leaning on and to not feel stable yeah. in that moment yeah, I think for sure. I never really talked yeah. about illnesses in a relationship and oh, how yeah. that can and trigger the other party to, yeah. and really how they show up for you or don't show up for you. Exactly. It's the narcissism that it's the narcissism that makes them require you to be there hand and foot. But when it comes to you, you you're just going to have to deal with it on your own unless there are people paying attention and then they break themselves trying to be a martyr for everybody you know and it's it's very very toxic and the the feedback loop that comes from that sends you down this spiral that i mean it's scary i was sitting i was sitting with my current wife and um we were watching a documentary about cults Love it. and there I, they were describing the brainwashing kind of like the process, like the, the breakdown process. And I, I got chills listening to it and dealing because it was so so close to what what really happened to me man because i mean the her and her whole family kind of came in and wrapped themselves around me and shoved out all the really all the people who i was close to i mean it was it was dark man and you know there were there were people in her family that i got really close to um and but then when everything started to break down they all turned on me like no one had my back no one like it was it was bad dude it was really it was really bad so then i dealt with this crazy poison for a couple of years man and i remember i was sitting with alicia my my wife 
Um, and I, and I sat up in bed when we were watching this documentary and I went, Oh my God, they just described what I went through, you know? And that was kind of how I started processing it and really started to kind of de deprogram my brain, man, you know, because there were, there were still so many things that I was dealing with psychologically that was such a holdover like your decision making your your choices the way you feel about those choices how you feel about how other people feel about those choices like nothing can be about you you know what i mean like nothing can be about your happiness it has to be about everyone else's happiness man and that was a that was something that took me years to kind of kind of clear through the haze of everything and get to the point where I was just like, Oh my God. I was going to say, how do you start to even get dig out of that sort of isolation? Say too, it's a gas line. The picket, it is like a cult. It is a, you know, you somebody that's a malignant, malignant narcissist and they are very good about this, you know, uh, what ad you go from? That's not true. You don't have a broken neck. Then a, a legitimate professional right in front of that person. No, that is true. And they, I'm telling you from, I've seen it. They tense up and freak out and then go to, and just to give you a common thing. Uh, in my last case, I was, I was like, okay, something's up with her. Finally, I'm going to call her family and have them. And she, you know, I have a group of guys. I'm in sobriety. Those guys are coming for me. Have anybody. I'll get her family. So her family all came and moved in. And immediately uh, they went, oh, no, it's you. And then they're not leaving. And the alienation, the, alienation, the pathological, where they're like, I'm going to cut out your family. <laughs> you're there. You know, you, 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 at first you're like, well, I get it. They're not. And yeah. then you realize, oh, that has made created a world where it is just me and her her family are completely in control there's definitely there's definitely reflections of those old emotions or those old thought processes that rise up every once in a while because it was just hammered 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 into you but because I'm able to recognize it, I have a check now where I go, wait a minute, why am I thinking that? You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like a, almost like a loading process now that I've, that I've had to really practice and kind of work into habit at this point, you know, um, it's the, 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 really the first thing that I did when I realized what I was dealing with, the first thing I really did was I started doing a list of things for me to rebuild who I was, to remember who I was, to remember the people that I cared about, the life that I had and the things that I wanted to do in life, you know? And like I had to, and it was amazing how many things were in my life that really had nothing to do with me, man. You know, like it was just filled up with all of this stuff that you're like, wait a minute, why am I doing this? Like, like, why do I even care about that? Like, it's, it's insane, you know? So I, you know, it really kind of came down to just cleaning the garage out, man, you know, just, just emptying the attic and kind of starting from scratch and going, God, who am, I mean, it was kind of the stuff that they kind of teach you in program where you're like, okay, think about the person who you want to be. And just dedicate your life to trying to get as close to that as possible. Why well, I had to kind of remember who I was as a person, man. Like, and just be like, oh, uh, what do I like? What do I do? You know, because so many of my likes were hers. So many, you know, I mean, it had just been, it just been drilled into me that my identity was not important, you know? So remembering who I was gave me the strength to be able to kind of stand up and go, okay, I I don't have to acquiesce to everything that you say. I don't have to feel bad about doing something when I know I should, you know, it, this, this whole thing, this whole litany of, you know, guilt trips and 
you know, savage gaslighting that was going on. You know, it just it comes down to the point of just trying just retaking your life. And I mean, it took time and it took years, to be honest. But I've, I've really gotten to the point now where every step I take further away from it is just so much better, man. You know, well, you know, it's so me. You know, I, I think for men, uh, we tend to go, OK, I got this. Under control. That can't be happening. I got. I. Decision, I'm in here, and uh, and we we stay in the right. middle of stuff. I mean, it just can't be. And uh, I do remember starting to get on the other side of it. Long, you know, she'd moved out. What it was still was going on somehow, but right. and and start. I'd have moments where I genuinely would laugh at something, or genuinely would feel like some kind of peace. And I realized, oh, I haven't had that for a long time. And I, right. I need to get more of that. It doesn't happen in, in one day. Uh, uh, but, you know, you've been the, 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 in such a, a good guy, bad guy relationship where you're the bad guy. And, you know, even right. though you're a rock star and you're a good guy and stuff, they, it's incredible how someone yeah. can still, you know, and you're a powerful personality. You're a whatever and that yet someone could do this and just kind of seal you off to be they, you know yeah. can control because you can't control the guy that's happy and creative and uh, uh you know feeling joins up but they they can control this guy and i wonder when you have your surgery so you're on pain medication i assume i i luckily yeah luckily slipped that i have a weird I have a weird reaction to not just pain medications, but like opiates that you, they prescribe for pain. I have a weird reaction where it makes me sick. So I don't, I, I've just never, I was always more of a speed kid, more of an alcoholic. Um, I never got into like the, the opioid side of it, which thankfully, you know, I mean, and I've, I know a lot of my friends who, came out of it and didn't you know so luckily I, I i never was like in that side of it it you know yeah, i really just kind of treated it with like tylenol 3 and just dealt with it you know um gotta remember i went i went on the road two weeks after my surgery like i postponed the tour because i was supposed to start that's what kind of a psycho i am dude like who the does it i did shows with a neck brace to keep myself from headbanging and going crazy. I looked like a maniac. I was like, what, who is this dude? What is happening up here, man? So I, um, I think maybe that was like a, a good release for me to be able to kind of do that. But then once I got done with that tour, that's really when the, the hard times, the hardship started was because of that. Yeah. Yeah. You think going on tour, yeah, like made it easier for you to kind of forget, compartmentalize that, and then I'm the king of compartmentalization. I, you know, it's like it's like oh, I don't have to deal with that right now. I'll focus on this, you know. And you just kind of, you know, you you put that in the 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 doorway until it just comes screaming out, you know, out of nowhere. You, I mean, during this time, you know, because we've all been through similar really relationships of struggle. Did, I know for women, I feel like, oh, we have our girlfriends and you know that, but I feel like, you know, for men, it's different. And unless you're maybe close with the people you work with, you know, were you really close with your bandmates? Like, do you think that helped give you sanity and, and sort of comfort? It definitely helped, um, especially with Stone Sour. With Slipknot, um, it was a little harder because they they had a big issue they had a big issue with her and since she and i were pretty much working together they were kind of subjected to her so there was a certain level of resentment there uh, that i have since apologized for and really tried to to do my my <laughs> mea culpa for christ's sakes you know but uh um but i mean yeah i mean they were definitely there to to pick me up when the pieces fell you know but this is something that i've noticed not just with 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. And Tom taught, touched on this. You know, it, it's almost it, it's almost uh, anathema to to talk about it in this in this sense. And I've noticed it with with people who struggle with PTSD from the front line with the military, like the work that I do with the Taylor foundation, it's that stigma that we're not supposed to ask for help, you know? So whether it's dealing with trauma that comes from, you know, wartime or emergency services or whatnot, or dealing with relationships that are borderline lethal, you know, we're taught from a young age to suck it up, Push it down, especially coming from Iowa, Tom. You know what I'm talking about. It's that Midwest bootstraps. It's, you know, it's tough. And that can that can really make you feel helpless. Like you're supposed to be helping yourself, but then you can't. Not to trust your feelings. Exactly. Yeah. Not so have that. it's something that I'm seeing that more and more people are actually opening their minds to. So between the trauma that I had when I was a child and the trauma that I dealt with within you know with this relationship it's it's made it really easy for me to talk to these groups and tell them that it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to say i don't have all the answers man i could use you know some some i i could use something to tap the valve and let this pressure go you know and i think maybe that's one of the reasons why you know we're talking about it right now or you know all of these people want to talk to me about it is because i don't i don't give a shit i'm like fuck fuck that let's let's lance this boil and fucking get this shit going man well that's good you know because they the from my experience of uh, uh i want to hear more about the taylor foundation specifically but you know monica knows i go down to the the va here get them to share which never as you know used to happen with veterans. If right. you feeling depressed or whatever, you they'd be lo- worry about losing their job or whatever. And so from the time my grandpa went to World War II, they come home just tight. And, right. it, and uh, uh, you know, my nephew is 25 in Iowa, killed him, he was in the army, killed himself, he, you know, and that, there was so much shame uh, for saying, hey, I need help. I'm you know, and uh, but that's because of of people like you and the people, you know, that are because, you, you know, it's had to because we've been in continuous wars and, uh, you know, you see that the effect on people and you I'm not going to you know, the fact that how many veterans commit suicide every fucking day is and, and that and that number is getting larger. It used to be twenty two, and now it's it's closer to forty four, which is insane. National emergency. We don't yeah. stop everything. The president, whoever. That's it. Okay, everybody. We need to to work on this thing and uh, and accomplish this thing. So tell me about the Taylor Foundation. The Taylor Foundation was a it's a it's a charity organization that I started to raise money for dozens of local organizations that help and treat veterans, law enforcement, and emergency services people dealing with PTSD and their families. Um, it started in my my grandfather and grandmother's name. My grandfather is kind of like yours. He came back from Korea severely damaged and lapsed into alcoholism, 
and it destroyed my it destroyed their marriage um he became this person i didn't even know he became this person that i would visit in different places but he lived in people's basements like he lived i mean it was when i found out that that was my grandfather it broke my heart but there was also no connection meanwhile i was very close with my grandmother you know and being a divorcee in the 50s raising two kids together was was not the norm let's put it that way you know um so as time went on i you know dealing with my own issues and kind of coming out of my own addictions and whatnot and then seeing the support that you can get from the 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 veterans and whatnot who listen to my music who say you know you were with us when we went into Hezbollah you know we you were with us when we went out to fight fires you were with us when we did all of this stuff I had been kind of heading in that direction anyway because I wanted to I wanted to give something back you know and that kind of sealed it for me so the tour the Taylor organization deals with local and state organizations not national because they they kind of get all the they, they get all the headlines you know i like working with the boots on the ground in the cities where i go uh and the places where if you're looking for help they're right across the street you don't have to call a 1-800 number they're right there you know so i raise money for them and uh we've been able to i mean if my numbers are correct we've we've raised and distributed over $300,000 just in the last year and a half, which is rad, you know, and, and we're still, we're just getting started, you know, and it's, uh, I've been able to see a lot of, you know, see a lot of the people who are working there. I've made connections, great connections, and it's something I'm very, very proud of. Um, and anyone who is looking for any organizations like that local or statewide and you're trying to find one around you all you have to do is go to the taylor foundation website and there is a network that we are building where you type in your state or your city and it will pull up all of the ones that are close to you uh, and we're just trying to tie it all together we're trying to create a national network of local organizations so people can easily access it and uh it's 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 one of the things I'm most proud of, man. Oh, you should be. Well, you know, that's an Iowa thing, too. Uh, yeah, yeah. But it helps to be Corey Taylor, too, or Tom Arnold to go in there. I mean, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. And honestly, man, it's something that I like the fact that I can take what I've done and I can take the fame that I've been given or earned or what, I mean, whatever you want to paint it with, and I can give that back dude you know and i know it's a very cliche thing because every it seems like every celebrity has a, a pet project that they work on but this is something that i'm very passionate about you know this isn't something that i just put my name on and i let other people run it like i'm there with people i you know i show up i do the work i to me it's more about making sure that i am helping really really helping and not just using it as something to hold. I very rarely even show my face with that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Because I want the work to stand for what it is and not just, there's a lot of people who put themselves in front of the, the thing that they're trying to help. And it's just like, we can't even see around you, man. Like what, what are you trying to do? So it's like the more I tuck back in the background and I just kind of hold my hand up and go, over here, we just need it over here. It's fine, you know? The more I do that, and the more I make sure that the, the real help gets to the people who need the help, that's what it's all about. You need to, because we, that could be any of us. And right. you're honest about yourself and, you know, this depression and this stuff that you've gone through, and it could be any of us. Let's be honest. Right, exactly, yeah. I mean, it, all it takes is, all it takes is one bad day, man. You know, I mean, and we've all seen it and, and it's, yeah. And tell me, uh, 
sum up your childhood um in a nutshell yeah i won't bore you with too many details but i we moved around a lot uh, i was homeless a lot um i uh when i was a teenager i struggled with cocaine addiction um od'd twice cleaned up moved in with my grandmother um went through severe anger issues because of the abuse that i had suffered when i was younger um you know, my mom just didn't keep us in safe places let's put it that way so i was exposed to a lot of alcoholism a lot of physical domestic abuse a lot of i mean a lot of abuse and and rape on myself so it was trauma after trauma after trauma after trauma when i was younger um and when i finally got to a place that felt safe which was my grandmother's house i kind of exploded emotionally um and that's when i kind of you know i was starting to kind of dabble in music and everything like that but i was also really starting to explore my addictions as well you know i'd, I'd let one go but I started chasing down as many of the other ones as I could, you know, like it's, it was just, it was adrenaline and chemicals and fuck the world. I don't care if you burn or not, you know? So it was, it was difficult, you know, but at the same time, I always had presence of mind to keep something sane for myself. I never let myself go too far over the edge for whatever reason, like whether I, whether it was something that I knew that I needed to do for myself to make sure that I could really take advantage of the things that I knew I was going to do in life. It wasn't just because I had talent or anything or hoped for it. I knew I was going to do it. I always made sure that I kept something stable in my head to make sure that I had a place that I could come back to, to make sure that I could work. Now, I wish the happy ending of that was, you know, and it led me to have a clean, sober life once I got on the other side of the, the entertainment industry. But now I, I, you know, once again, I went off the deep end again because, you know, at, at that point, now you're just chasing, you're chasing history, you know, and you're just, you're just trying to pour as much, booze and bullshit and your heart as possible so it was you know i think that it was a direct result of the of everything that i had kind of gone through when i was younger and i just res i resisted therapy because of things that i had been court appointed to kind of have to deal with when i was younger um i'd never had good experiences with therapists uh until i became an adult until i honestly until i got into my 30s um, and that's when I really started kind of taking therapy seriously, um, really getting into self-evaluation and, and thinking about not just why I was doing it, but what it was doing to me, man. Like, and what did I want? You know, what did I want? You know, uh, I think I hadn't done that. I'm, I, let's just say, I'm glad I went through what I did when I was younger because it left me space peace in my adulthood Let's well, go and you're a dad you've got right. three kids yeah three yeah. how do you think that's gonna so i don't know how i'm gonna phrase this question do you think that this is sort of like a gift that you're gonna be able to sort of give or educate to your kids about what you went through or i hope so yeah, yeah. um i mean it's definitely something where i've gone out of my way to make sure that my children do not go through what i did you know um you know this weird free-range feral child that ended up becoming a singer you know it's i i'm very protective um you know my son and i are very very close and we're very similar um and you know i've i've tried walking him through the things that i went through but now that he's older he's 21 now now he's actually starting to listen to what I was saying. And he's starting to put the pieces together. He's like, he's like, Oh God, I get it. You know? So. Well, how um, amazing that you can kind of be there for him now, especially. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm just assuming for young men that early 20 something age is also very important about who they have to look up to and right. who's feeding them information. Right. Yeah, exactly. And especially the fact that he's in his own band and they're touring wow. and they're doing amazing. It's oh, so, cool. so cool, man. Like he's on the up so so hard i i and i just beam about it you know and it's just and i didn't help him at all he gravitated towards it he started a band with his buddies from school and they are now crushing it they're on tour right now with uh, and they've been doing it for about almost eight years which is very cool you know so yeah i'm proud papa over here you know do you think that therapy you know now you're married you're married again and how, you know, how has that helped you have a healthier, better relationship this time around? Um, how did you I, be, oh, yeah. How did you yeah, tell your, us about your amazing wife, how you met her, oh, yeah. and then how, yeah, how, what, what you've learned to make this a more normal relationship, I guess. <laughs> you know, I mean, the crazy thing is that me and Alicia, we had met each other over time, like through different people as you know over the years so we knew each other in passing you know i was starting to put together a tour and this is after i i had uh, already separated from my wife or my my ex uh i was starting to put a tour together for stone sour i was looking for an opening act that was completely different i didn't want a band i wanted something that was exciting that was different and i remembered alicia's dance troupe the the cherry bombs because they do everything they dance they do fire they they do cool. aerial i mean it's like this crazy heavy metal cirque show with hot women and rad music and it's just one of the raddest things i've ever seen and i was like this is perfect man and we had both come out of relationships and even though you know i was really torn up mentally you know we hit it off so hard and so well that I had to tell her straight up. I was like, I am in no position to be in a, a relationship right now. I, and I straight up, I was like, I adore you. I, the, we have this crazy connection. Um, so like then the we worst thing talking. a woman does not want to hear from somebody right. she's falling in love exactly. with. Exactly. <laughs> and and but at the same time, it established a real honesty yeah. between us. You know what I mean? So then fast forward a couple months and we were finally on that tour. And the second we saw each other, we just knew. And we didn't do anything until the tour was done. But once the tour was done, we and we knew that we were free from everything, we've we've just we've been together ever since. And that's yeah, she's my heart. Amazing. But the yeah. next question I have for you is, you know, you've been married before. You're a rock star. As an outsider, you would just think that you'd be like, I'm never doing it again. Oh, I doing... that was 100% right? my words. I was like, no, right? there's no way I'm doing this again. Right. Like, I can just. But then she had to ruin it by being the perfect person. <laughs> I was like, way to go. You know, yeah. I had years of depression planned ahead and i don't know what the hell you're coming in screwing up my shit for yeah yeah i tell you what i tell you what what does it is the fact that the thing that i realized that i needed for myself not just for her but for myself was full disclosure full-on like making sure that we understand each other's needs not just one person's but each other's needs, especially when it comes to things like our, our, our mental health, uh, the depression that we both deal with, um, and, and, and understanding that it's okay because we're going to be there for each other. You know, the way we communicate is unlike anything that I've ever experienced with anybody else in the world. And it's made all the difference. You so know? next level honesty, basically, yeah. and yeah. I guess unapologetically to each other. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you have, it has to be warts and all, you know, you like yeah. having space, you know, since I, I always refer to like this modern world that we live in, right. do you think it's easier for your relationship 
to have space versus being with someone that you're with them all the time, kind of like in the fifties when our grandparents. Exactly. Were. When people went to work and they came home. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I, I can't remember. Somebody was talking about that. It's like fact that there is no space anymore. Nobody has personal space. I definitely think that is something that she and uh, she and I, we thrive on is the fact that we not only both have our own lives, but we are okay with each other going and doing our own thing. You know Some what I mean? People aren't. And it's yeah. just, in my opinion, a very unhealthy, unrealistic expectation for couples right. to have where right. we have the same friends and we do everything together. And it's just not. There is something to be said about having something that is yours and then having that thing that is ours. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that i think it comes down to jealousy when people resent the fact that somebody else has something that they are not a part of now obviously there's going to be common ground where you have to be able to have some leeway but you have to have something that is yours you know and that's not that's not a an evil selfish thing that is just something that it just makes so much sense for you as an individual as a person and it makes you stronger for your mate, for your spouse. When you were in trouble, when you were going through shit, you know, I could, I can remember being in the back of a squad car and, and there was always a voice and people can call this squad or whatever. that said, there is something better for you, Tom Arnold, but you've got to get there. And I believed right. it. And I, and I got, it was kind of cutting it close a few times, but there was always something that said, you're, you get on the other side of this, and these things that you're dreaming about, uh, they will come true. These things that right. nobody else believes, you know, and, I, and that definitely happened with me. There was always, and so when I get to those places, and, and I'm working with people I'd only dreamed of, but it made sense. And I was doing these things that are not typical Iowa things to do. Uh, and, you know, I think back at that voice, like, you is there something better you got to fucking get right. your shit did you were you guided by any i'm not saying god but i'm saying I feel something. like when Corey said there was something in the yeah, back yeah yeah like some light of hope or something that just there was always that this place in my head uh and i and i don't even know why it was there but yeah i was like you i mean there were definitely times where i would be in the middle of one of the most miserable points of my life. And I would just go, it's temporary. It's mm -hmm. gonna be, it's gonna be okay. You just need to get through this and you need to allow yourself to feel like you deserve it, you know? And sometimes that self-loathing doesn't let you do that, man. Like it just, it just holds you back for whatever reason from accepting the fact that everyone deserves a better life and everybody deserves a second chance, you know? So, um, you know, it, it want, but, but maybe it takes, maybe it takes a stable mind to get there and go, okay, I accept it now. And when you're in those moments and you're chemically imbalanced, you don't really feel like that's the case, you know? So it's, it's, it's tough. And it's, but that's also one of the things that I tell people when I talk to them at the conventions or, you know, at the gather that shows and whatnot, and they come up and they give me, you know, they're like, you got me through some of the toughest moments of my life. I always, without exception, make sure that I tell them, it's like, hold on a second. You did the heavy lifting. I was in the background. I was in the background and, you know, I helped, but you did the important stuff. Never forget that, that you had the strength to get yourself to the darkest parts of your life, because that's how you pay it back, man. Because I was like that. I listened to music and just needed something to inspire me, but I never forgot that I was the one who did, did the heavy lifting, did the hard stuff. Now, where are you going in tour next? And what is the website for the Taylor foundation? Oh yeah. 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 Um, yeah, my new album, CMF2, just came out. It's available everywhere on all DSPs and in physical copies and whatnot. Um, my, the, the website for the Taylor Foundation is www.wertf.org. That's, you know, W-E-A-R-E-T-T-F 
www.thebeatdown.org. Um, and yeah, I'm going, uh, my next shows, uh, I do a Slipknot show on the th- November 3rd in Mexico. And then I go over with, uh, my solo band to, uh, Europe, the UK and Australia starting November 8th. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for your time. It was so oh, great. Oh, it's all good, man. Thank you. you. Love you, man. Yeah. Thank Have you guys. I let's let's one hundred percent do this again. I, I yeah, yeah, I would part love to. Two. Do that. All right, definitely. Right, thanks, Corey. Later, Bye. guys. Thank you. I mean, how great was that? How that, great! I was... seriously feel like we need another hour with him. I hope one day we can do a part two. Uh, very uh, honest and uh, inspiring, you know. Yeah, I had no idea that he had this foundation, which I feel like interconnects everything. You working at the VA. You know, I feel like with Kelly, you know, my dear friend. I'm happy for him and his wife now. I wonder if the other, her other music partners, you know, because it sounded like it was a trio. I wonder if they're single, either of those women. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.